Four naked golden girls. Who do you pick? What do you do? Go. Be Arthur. Yeah, in a fucking heartbeat. Hey, girl. Welcome to the 17th episode of Hey Beautiful. Yay. Good to see you, Kate. How are you doing, Kate? Yeah, another week, another episode. Cannot believe it. I know. It's awesome. It's so good to see you every week. I know. How about it? I look forward to it. I mean, I, I totally stress about like making sure I finish my notes and, yeah. you know, making sure my computer doesn't turn off in the middle of recording. That certainly didn't just happen. Did not just happen. No. 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 This is no. a fresh no. take. Fresh We've take. never said any of this before. Not a thing. Just all off, off the record for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave us a review or even just a couple of stars. It helps people to find us. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud or on Twitter and Facebook. You can leave us a legendary moment at Hey Beautiful Pod. A legendary moment is what is a standout moment for you. Like whatever your favorite piece, it could be a quote, it could be a scene, uh, it could be a feeling, anything that you really loved about the episode you can send us uh, through Twitter, Facebook, or even email at heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get back into Life Among the Gorillas. Life Among the Gorillas is the 17th episode from season one of How I Met Your Mother. It first aired on March 20th, 2006. It was written by Craig Thomas and Carter Bays and directed by Pamela Fryman. All the big hitters. Yes, all the important people. This title is taken pretty much directly from a book by Diane Fossey, who was a very famous anthropologist who did a lot of work with gorillas. Um, and her book was called Among the Gorillas. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, the scene starts out with Future Ted narrating to us about past Marshall and tells us that he first read about this anthropologist, Dr. Aurelia uh, Bernholz Vasquez, and they show a picture of her. And when I first saw this, I thought, oh, she looks like Sigourney Weaver. And Sigourney Weaver played Diane Fossey in a movie called Gorillas in the Mist. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed with that movie, too, even though it's like pretty heavy. Yeah. I loved it. And not always super appropriate for a child, Mm -hmm. but I loved gorillas. Cool. Yeah. Um, But I thought that the actress who played uh, Dr. Aurelia looked like Sigourney Weaver. I'm sure that was on purpose. I hope so. I like to think, I like to think it was. Uh, It's too, for me, like the resemblances were too, too close to not have been on purpose. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Fun fact. Girls in the Mist came out in 1988, and that is when this first scene is taking place. So Future Ted tells us that when Marshall was 10, he first read about Dr. Aurelia Bernholz Vasquez and was obsessed and even got to meet her when she came to speak at a local community college. And he was the youngest one there and asked what advice she had for him as a budding anthropologist because he tells her when he grows up, he wants to live with a gorillas just like she did. And future Ted tells us that her response changed his life. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing yeah. to hear from your like hero and have them say something to you that will influence you for the rest of your life. Yeah. So she tells 
Marshall that that's wonderful, but she's afraid he can't because they'll all be dead by then. Wow, lady. <laughs> oh. Yikes. She's not pulling it back for him. No, that's so, oh, mm-hmm. crushing. Dang. Crushing. And we see that how this affected Marshall in the course of his life. And a fun fact, the young actor who plays Marshall at 10, we will see him again in three years. Oh, my God. Playing Marshall at 13. That is the same kid. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That That's very cool. Yeah. I love that stuff. Uh, yeah. So this is kind of this 1988 moment with Dr. Bernholt Vasquez is kind of Marshall's Barney moment, like how we saw Barney uh, breaking up with Shannon as his sort of birth. You're right. You know, so this kind of sets Marshall's life on its course. And then we cut and fast forward to present day. And there's Marshall in his fly new suit lecturing Ted about the coffee industry and how it's destroying the rainforest. But at the same time, Marshall does need his coffee because the kid needs to be alert for his first day at work. And he's going to work, as we remember, not for the NRDC, as he originally wanted, but at Barney's office. Uh, And he reminds Ted, and probably himself, that he still wants to work for the NRDC after law school, but for right now, this is how to make some money. Because, as we remember, he's he's pretty Poe right about now. Yeah. And you can tell that Marshall still loves the idea of environmental law. He still looks up to the work that's done at the NRDC, which is a real organization if you want to support them. Yeah. And he says... They're going to stop global warming. And we get a freeze frame and future Ted says, well, they did their best. So (laughs) the poor, the poor cause for the environment is already doomed in in 2006. I know. And then Lily comes out all sweet with his lunch and they just have this very quintessential marshmallow and lily pad moment where she laughs, giving him his little sack lunch and he tells her how much he loves her (laughs) because she made him lunch and because she thinks the word sack is funny. And um, as a side note, I just love Lily's duster. It's like such a bright pattern and that really really sharp teal Mm -hmm. looks so pretty with her her red hair. So they're just crushing it with that this episode. So Marshall's getting ready to head out to work, opens the door, and there's a package on on the stoop. It looks kind of beat up. Turns out it's come all the way from Germany for Ted (gasps) from his long-distance lady, Victoria. Interesting. Yeah, and Lily says, another one? And everyone looks not happy to see this package. They look really bummed. Yeah, it's like a care package. You should be happy. But it turns out she has sent three of these in the month that they've been apart. And Ted has sent nary a one. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's clearly an imbalance. And they're all feeling it and, and kind of a little hesitant to open it and see how great it is. And, of course, it's great. It's full of delicious cupcakes and uh, mm-hmm. Ted goes right for one at what seven o'clock in the morning, and as he's eating <laughs> it, not? yeah, and as he's eating it, Marshall's like miming eating it right alongside him because mm-hmm. we know Marshall can't can't turn down a cupcake, so especially one of hers, yeah. And with then we get this great pathetic Ted moment where he's sitting on the couch with his mouth full of cupcake, and he just says, "God, I hate myself." <laughs> and Marshall gets serious and just says, "Oh." 
that is so me at 15. <laughs> and then you get a whole other layer of Marshall as like this this chubby little kid with a with a cupcake problem. Aww. Poor Marshmallow. So we cut to a sort of hypnotizing scene, right? That's how you just, or you described it as yeah. hypnotic or trippy. Yeah. We see these bouncing tennis balls and find out that the company Marshall's going to work for, for Ultracell is most well known for making the yellow fuzzy stuff on the outside of tennis balls mm-hmm. and a whole lot of other stuff because they're a huge company. And we, the audience, see a quick flash of pictures showing weapons, oil drim- drilling, a, mus- a missile. So nothing really great that they want their public to focus on. And uh, Future to tells us that they really want people to focus on the fuzzy stuff because, you know, that's safe. It's easy. Yeah, they gloss right over the fracking and yeah. arms dealing. All the... <laughs> All the terrible stuff that Marshall probably would not support. Yeah, he's in for a rude awakening for sure. Right. And we cut to Barney's office. He gets a phone call from Willis in security saying, telling him that there's a Sasquatch on the loose. <laughs> and he's on his floor and not to be alarmed, but they wanted to make him aware. And we see Marshall walk by the window looking like Bigfoot with that, you know, that sp- specific gate the side profile yeah. uh and he's pumped to see barney and we see barney's office he's got all these motivational posters including a custom made one for awesomeness and he's got a pretty big office looks pretty important so sleek and Marsh- it's, very, it's like everything in there is from freaking sharper image oh yeah yeah for sure yeah and uh, marshall asks barney what he does and barney laughs him off and like waves and he goes ha ha please and it's the start of this great running gag where everyone tries to figure out what barney does and he just brushes them off and totally doesn't even entertain the idea of answering that question in come two guys blauman and bilson two like super bros oh god uh, i know blauman is played by taryn killam who is married to Colby Smulders, a.k.a. Robin Trubatsky. Mm -hmm. They got married in 2012. And it's also not the last time we will see someone else's spouse on the show, Mm -hmm. Um, which is really a fun element. No spoilers, but just, you know, be on the lookout for that. Mm -hmm. Taryn Killam, who played uh, Blauman, has been a ton of stuff. He started out in 1994. He was in Naked Gun 33 and a Third. Also on that MTV show, Undressed. Mm -hmm. And then I took a smattering of his uh, resume. Touched by an angel. The Amanda show. Only the best highest quality. Mm -hmm. Big Fat Liar, Drake and Josh, Mad TV. A lot of gems from the late 90s, early 2000s. He's been on Drunk History, 12 Years a Slave. Those are the more current. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He was on SNL for a while. I don't know if he's oh, still yeah. is. Sorry. I don't think he is. And he was King George in Hamilton for the original Thank run. you. That's right. Yeah. Then we have Bilson, who is played by Brian Callen. Um, he's on the Goldbergs, also Mad TV. He was on Oz, Seventh Heaven, Entourage, also in The Hangover. And he looks very familiar to me, but I think he just kind of has that yeah generic man face and he's a character actor he's been in all kinds of stuff 
Yeah. So they come in, they tell Marshall that his tie is steak sauce, and Marshall is just so adorably confused. He has no idea what they're talking about. Barney calls him over for a sidebar to explain that (laughs) it means his, they like his tie. It's A1. It's great. It like, like steak sauce. Severe learning curve in corporate America. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very cute. And, but then the guys start this strange thing they do with scenarios. For some reason, they present each other with a scenario that would never happen in real life. So this one, it's Ding Dong, it's Jessica Alba at the front door, but I think she's wearing like a trench coat or something. And then, but at the back door, it's Jessica Simpson. What do you do? Go. And the stupid locker room bullshit talk. Yeah. That we hear so much about these days. Right? It's just, it's weird. And Marshall's like, oh, that's cool. But, you know, like, engage, have a fiance. Like, all right, she's out of town. So there's always, you know, some solution for like, get get rid of her. She's dead. All right, here yeah, we go. Yeah. What do you do? Go. Ugh. And Marshall, it's so not who Marshall is or who he normally hangs out with. So right. he doesn't really know what to do. And it's just sad. Oh, yeah. He's completely out of his depth. He's like surrounded by Greg's at this point. <laughs> and I said that uh, Bilson and Blauman are like, the Gretchen Wieners and Karen Smith to Barney's Regina George. Ooh, if you're a, that's perfect. If you're a Mean Girls fan, like they're love Mean Girls. Yeah, they're part of this this clique, uh, but they're kind of less they're less nuanced and less intelligent than Barney. So they're kind of like the the lackeys you can tell, and they both have like shitty haircuts and like matching red ties and gray suits. It's like they're almost the same person, just sort of photocopied they're interchangeable yes like rosencrantz and gildenstern yeah poor marshall he doesn't know what he's gonna do um and clearly he's gonna he's about to learn a lot that has nothing to do with the law at this job (laughs) uh back at the bar ted is still shame eating cupcakes but now he's doing it in front of robin um and this is the start of them hanging out a lot this episode yeah. Like in the past, yeah, in the past, um, this hasn't really happened. They kind of haven't come back in touch with each other. And it seems like they do so whenever Carter and Craig are writing. Hmm. You know, it's like they come in and sort of get the story back on track. Like, okay, where are these two going? Um, That's a good point. You know, so this is like 22 minutes of the two of them talking a lot. So this is the first mm-hmm. time we see it. Uh, Robin's looking amazing as always this episode like they really stepped her up so um whether she knows it or not she seems to be laying a little bit of groundwork herself and ted tells her his problem that like an idiot he called victoria to tell her that he got the care package but then also said he had sent her one and that it was really really awesome <sighs> so teddy boy yeah, teddy boy she even has a cute nickname for him now. So, of course, Robin's smart and has the solution. Put a whole bunch of New York stuff in a box and top it off with the New York Times from three days ago. So it looks like he sent it three days ago. Brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, except for the obvious. Postmark. Postmark. But. Like, I would totally. Like, if I if it had been a month and I had not received any care packages from Ted. And mm-hmm. he told me he sent one. You'd check that. That's because I'm petty. Psychotic. I'm so petty. But yeah, I would validate that story. You'd be like, "Mm, 
Oh, really? What did you send that? Who's ha- oh. who, whose house were you at that gets the New York Times? <laughs> who is she? Yeah, that's me. You know me well. <laughs> yep. And then Ted's so thankful that he talked to her and he says, you know, it's crazy. Before this, I was coming to go into Marshall and Lily for ways to impress you. And now I'm sitting here asking you for advice. Isn't that so funny, Robin? That's such a weird thing to bring up. Yeah. That's why I'm like, this episode was really like pushing them together and and making them move towards things. Mm -hmm. Like that was a really weird thing for him to say. I mean, maybe he said it because he thought that they just had no chance at all. Or he's a little bit trying to make her a little bit jealous. It's like testing the waters. Yeah, it it feels a lot like both of them are kind of testing the waters. So then we flash to this scene of, from Drumroll, please where Robin admits to Lily that she has feelings for Ted. So to her, none of this is very funny. Um, but he just keeps digging in deeper. She's like, yeah, 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 I get it. The irony is clear. You don't like me. I'm helping you with something that you would have done for right. me if I hadn't blown my chance. Ouch. These two. We cut to the apartment and Marshall is just walking in from his first day at work. And he's so upset. He's pouty like a little boy. And Lily tries to find out what happened. And he does want to talk about it, but he comes back into the kitchen all pouty. He's like, they're just, they're jerks. And he does, he does a little kick with his foot and yeah. it's just, oh, it's so sad. He's so upset and he looks like a little boy. And finally, after some coaxing, we find out through a flashback that the guys were making fun of Marshall because Lily packed him a sack lunch and wrote him a note. Which is so awful. And he was... It is. He was because he was so proud, and you could really see mm. that his spirit was like totally crushed. Yeah, and I mean, everyone at the table has the exact same lunch too. Like they all have sushi and blue bottles of water. So like he pulls out this sack lunch, and he yeah he looks completely out of out of the norm. And in right. corporate America, that's not cool. No. Especially and- if you have any touch of like a woman on you. Apparently, that's like the end of the world. Which is so fucked up, like. Toxic masculinity is bad for men, too. It is. It really is. So I'm going to say. If you can't even love your fiancé or wife and be considered, like, unmanly for being like that, jeez. That's terrible. It is. Blauman makes a comment, too, like, oh, does she cut the crust off, too? And you see Marshall look down at his sandwich and kind of cover up the tinfoil and throw it in his bag. It's so sad. So and then sad. He, then he finds a note. And then the, Fucking the, they t- take it like schoolyard bullies and throw it back and forth. And he just keeps yelling, give it, give it, and, like, jumping a little like it's so pathetic. I'm just realizing now how many references there are to Marshall's childhood. Like this is clearly like regressive. Um yeah. But then there's also like when he says when he was looking at Ted like that is so me at 15 mm-hmm. and then when he was 10 in 1988. So it's like this whole episode is so connected to him as a kid and as an adolescent. Like no wonder it hurts so bad. Yeah, like that's so true. Fucking elementary school, keep away with his stuff. Oh, God. And that whole, like, lunch scene is so reminiscent of this part in The Breakfast Club when Bender 
makes fun of Brian's lunch. Like he pulls each piece out and like makes fun of it. Oh man, if only if only boys could just be nice to each other. I know, shit's fucked up. Let each other love people. Make it okay <laughs> to have feelings and thoughts and emotions or you guys are going to keep dying a lot younger than we do. Yeah. Let's be honest. They're under attack, you know, Kate? They're totally under attack by their own bodies because they don't mm-hmm. let anything out. Don't be like this, guys. It's okay to have feelings, says the woman with a cold black heart. So we flash forward uh, back to the apartment and Lily says, screw those guys. We're adorable, which is totally true. Hell yeah. And Marshall looks so sad because it's like freshman year all over again only another this time one, another reference yeah another reference only this time his sweet dance moves won't win them over and you see him start to do the robot mm. old reliable old reliable yeah so and sad. lily tells him that the extra money is great but it's not worth it if he hates it so i love that support they have for each other yeah and she's you know there to remind him who he is and what really matters but i mean you can already see how insidious this stuff is like Oh, it's just everywhere and it's on everybody and it's just, it's wild. I'm so glad I don't work in like a very corporate setting. I definitely could not hang with that. Same. Yeah. So right after Lily says he can quit, we smash cut to the bar and Marshall is saying, I quit. (laughs) He tells Barney (laughs) right away and Barney acts surprised and like, oh, come on, we're having fun working together. And Marshall's like, I don't even see you. We're not even in the same department. And what do you do anyway? And again, Barney goes, please, and b- brushes him off. Uh, mm-hmm. So Marshall says, yeah, you know, I've tried it, but sorry, Barney, the corporate thing just isn't for me. And Barney says, it's not for you, it's for Lily. Ugh. Yeah, so then Barney comes in doing what he does best, just manipulating his friend's weaknesses and insecurities to get what he wants, as usual. So clearly Marshall has been feeling insecure about not making a lot of money, which he knows from last episode. Um, so he says that, you know, he's going to lose Lily if he can't give her the package. And the package is apparently what he thinks all women want. Like, all women want the exact same thing. You know, they want money. They want the right. money to have a house and the money to go on vacations and the, money's for good, the money for good schools. So <laughs> I just think it's crazy that after one day in this toxic environment marshall really thinks that money is so important that he will lose his fiance who he's been with for 10 years right if he suddenly isn't making millions of dollars and it's like she knew he was going to be an environmental lawyer yeah there was never going to be a whole lot of money no. in this family they were going to be a very bohemian uh couple mm-hmm. um and you know this isn't the first or the last time that we're going to see a battle for Marshall's soul. Because that's basically the nature of being a lawyer. Like, you're either doing something ethically good, um, like morally good and upstanding. Like, I don't know, being a public defender or working for the environment, something in nonprofit where you're not making a ton of money. Or you're mm-hmm. making a shitload of money representing assholes, like a corporation or, mm-hmm. you know really corrupt people that can pay you a lot. Marshall's going to be navigating this basically for the rest of his life. Yeah. You know, do I want to make a difference in the world or do I want my family to be comfortable and able to live in one of the most expensive cities in the world? So definitely not the last time we're going to see that. It doesn't seem like there's a very good in-between choice. Barney says, uh, or Marshall tries to tell Barney that 
Lily would be fine with, you know, living on a t- kindergarten teacher salary and a and a nonprofit lawyer salary. And Barney says, yeah, she might be happy, but will you be happy knowing you could have given her more and didn't? And he got to him. He got to him. Because then next we cut to Bilson back at work the next day with another stupid, what do you do? Go. Quiz. And he's asking it to Marshall. So, of course, Marshall hasn't quit, and he's going to try to grin and bear it and fit in with these losers so he can give Lily the package that Barney has told her she wants. So we don't hear the beginning of the question. We just hear, and they're all naked. What do you do? Go. And Marshall's answer is B. Arthur, (laughs) a.k.a. Dorothy Zbornak of the Golden Girls. And apparently B. Arthur was the wrong Golden Girl to pick. Yeah, it was Betty White. The wrong naked Golden Girl. So I don't (laughs) understand how there are wrong answers to this. Yeah, Marshall was right. Marshall was absolutely right. And also, B. Arthur is the right choice for him because he's a tall guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Makes perfect sense. Bilson and Blauman don't get it. We're back at the bar with Robin and Ted. It's just (sighs) the two of them again. God. And asks if uh, Victoria got the awesome care package yet. Which, you know, to be honest, was not that great sounding. (laughs) Right. Wow, Um, New York stuff. Cool. Cool. Three-day-old bagels or however long it takes. But apparently Victoria loved it, of course, because she's a basic bitch. Stop Um, it. And Ted mentions that they talk on the phone every night for an hour and a half. That's a long time. That's a long time. I mean, I've done it. I've talked on the phone for like three, four, five hours in like middle, in like Like, high school. I remember in middle school – so I've only recently gotten very comfortable with saying, hey, you know what? Let me go. I got some stuff to do. Yeah. I used to like think you had to be on the phone for a long time. And Forever. I remember talking on the phone with this girl, Sarah, and we would do, okay, I'm thinking of a number one through 10. Oh, my God. And then 11 through 20, then 21 through 30, all the way up to like 100, then back again. Why? Just to be on the phone talking. Yeah, because that's what we thought we were supposed to do. I don't remember what I would talk about things with. I'm pretty sure it was always a boyfriend at that point when I was still uh, thinking that I was straight. That you'd give it a shot. Yeah, give it a shot. I mean, you also, I mean, I didn't know there was another choice. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that, not that being gay is a choice, but I didn't understand, I didn't know that you could do that. (laughs) Like, I didn't know there was another option. It just does, like, you. Right. Yeah. So, oh, my God. I remember my ear getting so hot from the phone, you know? Yeah. And my mom constantly yelling down, like, get off the phone. Like, yep. all night long. What the fuck? Oh, Being on the phone is the worst. Yeah. Did you ever fall asleep on the phone like Ted did here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, same. Like, that. that's also the worst. So, God. he's on the phone with every hour and a half. Teenagers. And they're talking about what... What'd you have for lunch? It's like, oh, rye. And he falls asleep on the phone. Yeah, bad. Back at the bar, Robin calls him Teddy Boy again. And Ted is wearing an excellent hoodie. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, yeah. Really. He looks really cute here. It's a good look. Yeah, he does. And it's interesting because when he first met Victoria for the second time, stain. he had a hoodie on. So it's kind that of we'd like... we'd never seen him in. It's kind of like a callback to that to that hoodie moment when 
he and Victoria were fresh and new, and now he, here he is, already tired of talking to her on the phone. Yeah. They just didn't, they didn't change their relationship at all. Like, I feel like if you're going to do long distance, which you shouldn't, everyone yeah, out there. don't do it, it's a mistake. Don't do it, it's a mistake. You're not special, it's not going to work. You have to, you have to sort of adjust and just know, we're not going to be able to talk every day. We're going to do a lot of emailing, and we're going to kind of just have to cool it, and if stuff happens with somebody else, stuff happens with somebody else, you know? Right. And just sort of open it up a little bit because otherwise you're waste. I mean, she's wasting so much of her time in Germany on the phone yeah. with him. Just what are you doing? And like the time difference too. Like yeah. it's not at a convenient hour. I Speaking of, of long distance relationships, uh, Liz and I listened to this ep- to last episode together and I asked her what she would do if I had to go <gasps> – if we were two months in and I had to go to live in like France for two years and she's like, well, you know, we'd, we'd do long distance for like six months. And I was like, and then you'd, then you break up with me. She's like, no, that I'd move to France. Oh, that was so sweet. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> but that was like a decision they hadn't really even thought about. Like, let's see how it goes for the next few months. And if we still want to be together, then- I'll fucking come there. She's so great. She is great. She's good at coming up with all like the extra little things and like weighing everything out. It's because she's a Libra. Ted realizes that being in a long distance relationship is making him not such a great boyfriend because he's usually really good at all of this stuff. Yeah. But, you know, never seeing each other is a bitch. Maybe it can't be done. He's looking pretty upset and he gets this like calm, resolved look. Yeah. And says, you know what? It's pretty clear what I have to do. And and Robin sits off and she's like, yeah, totally clear. And mm-hmm. she's thinking that it means they're going to break up because they've given this long distance a shot. It's really not working for Ted. He knows he needs to break up with her. And then he'll and have a chance. She'll have a chance. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. But instead, Ted says that he has to go to Germany to surprise her. <sighs> Face crack of the century. Right? <laughs> she recovers and says, that's what I was thinking. Uh, you know, these because Ted has to do these grand romantic gestures. It can't be something nice like, here's another care package, or I'm not going to fall asleep on the phone. He has to do these big yeah. things. Honestly, though, in order to save this relationship, that's probably what it needed. Yeah. Because it sounds like both of them are just growing apart from each other. Um, and then speaking of Robin guns out i mean she's never sleeveless ever oh yeah the only other time you see her sleeveless is in that wedding the red wedding dress Mm -hmm. which she was using to uh seduce seduce teddy boy so Mm. yeah she's looking smoking this this entire episode so uh She's definitely uh laying laying it out there and we'll see what happens with that back at the office at ultracell Poor Marshall is seeking out some help from Barney because he is having a really tough time. And Barney's advice is to consider the penguins. <laughs> and he points behind him to a motivational poster you probably haven't seen. It's called Conformity. It's the one who's different that gets left out in the cold. Oh. And it's horrifying, but it seems right up uh, corporate America's alley as a motivational poster. They probably would hang that up if they could. Barney says, you know, it's easy. Like, I know what your problem is. It's you're different. And that's why you're not feeling good. 
and you could have learned to accept yourself for the beautiful, unique snowflake you are, or flip side, you could just change your entire personality, which is just so much easier. That's what he did. Yeah, Barney would know. And... I think this. I think the costume designer did an incredible job this episode because I'm pretty sure that black pinstripe suit is the one he's wearing when he does the transformation. Oh, except they gave. Pretty sure you're right. Yeah, except he has like this ugly brown tie underneath it, which is like, ooh, you were so close to this being a really cool callback. Oh, um, yeah. So he's wearing his own transformation suit and telling Marshall to kind of do the same thing and just sort of assimilate or die, basically. Um, back at home, again, Lily disagrees, but it's pretty clear she's losing ground with Marshall because now he's trying to convince her that Barney might be right about this approach. Again, he doesn't tell her why he's doing this. And so many issues in this show could be solved if people just said what they were actually thinking. Yeah. Because... Just be honest. Yeah. Because he feels like he's doing something sort of valiant, like... I'm going to go undercover and act like I'm one of these guys because this job is for you, Lily. Like, the job is to give you what you want. So I'm going to, you know, pretend this is like this anthropological study where just like Dr. Aurelio Bernholt Vasquez, I need to gain the acceptance of the herd by behaving like them. And Lily's like, "Um, I'm pretty sure that's peer pressure. (laughs) (laughs) that's not some study you're doing and you can tell that Marshall kind of doesn't 100% believe it either he's like no 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 no. it's it's definitely anthropological and it's interesting that she's wearing like an animal print here as well oh very jungly a lot of a lot of fashion stuff this episode um yeah so he keeps trying to like push that this is this is not peer pressure. And she says, yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, just remember, if those boys try to pressure you to smoke, what do you say? He's like, oh, only when I'm drunk. Oh. <laughs> that was so great. Only when I'm drunk. Yeah. That's every non-smoking adult's promise to themselves. But, you know, we have to be honest here because Marshall is a bit out of his league because if he's going to act like a gorilla, he needs some gorilla lessons. And mm-hmm. who better to get them from than Barney, yep. who is so psyched about this. And he raises his hand for a high five. And Marshall gives him this like half-assed <laughs> kind of high five. Yeah. And he's like, no, like show me how psyched you are. And he tells him he wants to feel tremors of psychitude <laughs> rock his body like a seizure. Normal, normal stuff. Yeah, normal. And he said that was like a pregnant cat on a porch <laughs> swing, idly swatting. Cat. Oh, sorry. A declawed pregnant cat on a porch swing, idly swatting at a fly on a lazy Sunday afternoon, <laughs> which is very specific. Yep. But it, you know what? It, it gave me, it really showed me the high five Marshall was giving him. It yeah. was just like a pansy. So, yeah. So Marshall gives him this high five that clearly hurts Barney. Yeah. Clearly. Um, and then we cut real quick to Barney showing him how to slip a like a secret tip to a guy to get something done. And yeah. Marshall's like, well, who? Marshall's like, there's always a guy. Yep. And he has, then has Marshall practice his story. And it's so awful. <sighs> so cringeworthy. We he, we see him and Barney's like, I'm in San Diego with my two bros. Bros? I can't even say it so bad. Blech. Brosif's from Kappa. Woof. And then we fade from the bar to the office. <sighs> And he finishes his story, and 
we see everyone take a second and Blumen's like, Erickson. And like, is it going to go over? What's yeah, going to happen? Yeah. And he says, that was steak sauce. And yeah. Marshall gets all these high fives. And all of a sudden you hear some like pan flutes and drums. <laughs> Very jungly, <laughs> jungly sounds. Yeah, some jungle sounds. Mm-hmm. And Marshall catches a glimpse of himself in the mirror and he's wearing a gorilla mask and he's eyeing himself like, who am I becoming? Like, what is happening to me? Who am I? Yeah, it's like he's, it's more than just a mask at this point. He's like becoming the gorilla. Yeah. It it was so creepy to see him like switch off when he started telling Mm -hmm. the story. I was like, ooh, Marshall. I hated it. Please God, come back. Yeah. So the next morning back at the apartment, Ted's about to buy his ticket to Germany and he gets an email. Which he then prints off because it's 2006. I know. I love that. I was like, oh, remember printing emails? <laughs> you can not like, just show her on your phone. Yeah. You can't do that. Like, fuck, your little flip phone. Barely right. a snake on it. <laughs> so he gives it to Robin to read at the bar. I, like, the two of them are just all of a sudden magical homies again. He's just so dense. I can't believe he hasn't picked up on the fact that Robin has just made herself super available to him. Mm-hmm. And also, I said, Marshall is really too caught up with this whole gorilla thing. If they <laughs> live in the same apartment and he can't even run this by his best friend. Yeah. You know, I mean, we see that. We see that later. Like, there's a disconnect yeah. between yep. the two of them. So, apparently, Victoria says in the email, this is tough. We really need to talk. I'll call you tonight at 11. And Ted is convinced that she's going to dump him. Robin is trying to keep him positive, but still thinks that uh, he should hold off on the plane ticket, which is pretty smart. And I wrote that, you know, this whole scene, and actually the whole episode, she's been very charming and flirty, which we haven't really seen Mm -hmm. from Robin yet. Like, we saw it a little bit in... Uh, what was the laser tag episode? Zip, zip, zip. Zip, zip, zip. So we saw that in zip, zip, zip. You know, where she's charming, not flirty with Barty, but she's, we get to more see her. More of a personality. Her. Yeah, more of a personality. Yeah. So here she's sort of like glowing and flirty and very confident. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of putting on the moves, as Ted would say. And um, yeah. she's kind of let go of that sort of hesitant, skeptical side. And she's very positive and clearly is putting her best foot forward when she's around Ted, so... We'll see where that takes her. We cut to the apartment and Marshall is on the phone with Blauman. <sighs> it's so awful. Lily's painting in the background and Marshall says, E-bomb here. E-bomb. Uh, and she's like kind of uncomfortable. It just keeps painting. And I realize Marshall sounds like me. Anytime I try to use slang, like it just does not come across <laughs> well at all. Like we can't pull it off and that's okay. It's not for you. No. And Marshall says, like, dope. I'm going to rock you on the mic so hard. Your ears are going to bleed gravy. What the? Calls him a butt puppet. Yeah. Cute, Marsh. Yeah. It's so not Marshall. A little homophobic, Marsh. Yeah. 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 And so he gets out the phone and (sighs) Lily shows him her painting and asks for some feedback. And he, of course, tells her it's steak sauce. And... Lily's had enough. That is it. Yeah. He can act like that at work, but now they're at home. Mm -hmm. And Marshall tries to explain that Dr. (laughs) Aurelia Bernholz Vasquez and Lily interrupts and says, when Dr. Australia Birdbath Vaseline came home from the gorillas, she didn't (laughs) run picking nits and throwing feces. She left it at the office. Yeah. 
And uh, she wants Marshall to do the same thing because now he's acting like one of those lame guys. Mm -hmm. And Marshall explains that they're actually really good guys once you get to know them and come to karaoke and and you'll see. Like, what does he know about them that makes them think they would choose Betty White, for God's sake? Yeah, no, he's just drunk the Kool-Aid and he feels cool. Like, this happens in high schools a lot where, um, because I've read some stuff about bullying, how... The teachers working in the high school get caught up in sort of the the social structure oh, of the high school, yep. like the hierarchy. So for sure. they want the cool kids to like them. It's so weird. So they don't stand up to kids who are being bullied because they want the cool, the cool kids. Subconsciously, they want the cool kids to uh, accept them the way the rest of the school does. It's like this toxic shit in the air. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the same is true here. I mean, he's completely outnumbered at work. So, of course, he he seems like the weird one who isn't prioritizing the right things. So, I mean, he hasn't learned anything new about them, but he's just happy that they like him. Right. Ugh. Toxic, toxic shit. Lily agrees that she's going to go to karaoke because, you know, you'll see, Lily. You'll see that these guys aren't terrible. Uh, of course... We cut to karaoke, and they are being extremely lame. Right in front of her, they're playing your little what-do-you-do-go game. And, I mean, I feel like most bros would have the decency not to do this in front of women. But they're just, like... They're clueless. They're completely clueless. They're just tactless, nasty guys that are going to end up alone um, if they don't change their ways, you know? Drinking Mountain Dew and eating taquitos. Yeah, yeah. Just because, you know, it's so much cooler to not love anything yeah. ever. So just be alone your whole lives and be miserable. Yep. Oh, open your hearts, boys. Open your little baby hearts. It's so much better. So Lily, of course, is not impressed because this is so bad. It's so bad. There's nothing to be impressed Mm-mm. by. And it must be weird for Marshall to have these two worlds colliding because... He's got to be seeing them through Lily's eyes at this point, mm-hmm. even if he's trying not to. Like, Lily is his whole world, and they've got, like, the same brain. She threw water on all that trash that they were feeding him, and now he sees it. But he still is trying to, like, dig in with them. Um, right. And another fashion thing I noticed is that she stands out from everybody else. Everyone's in, like, those black suits. They all look, like, very corporate cookie She's cutter. Like this little red and white dress with flowers and big chunky necklace like so she just stands out she's sort of like you know like hippy dippy looking like flowers yeah like very uncorporate next to these bros out on the town doing karaoke right right Ugh. and even marshall blends in with them and yeah marshall turns to barney and you know barney's talking about how he's so over karaoke and it's not that he doesn't like it and he's not good at it he is the best really Yeah, but uh, only the greatest samurai lets his sword rust in its scabbard. He's so fucking dramatic. I know. This is clearly him being like, no, 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 I won't sing, I won't sing. Okay. All right. You made me do it. Lily's looking at the karaoke book, and she sees that they have their song, which is Don't Go Breaking My Heart by Elton John and Kiki D. Excellent song. Excellent song. And... You know, Marshall kind of forgets who he's with and agrees because that's their song. It's been their song for, you know, nine, ten years. Yep. But as soon as they talk about it, apparently it doesn't pass the jerk-off test. 
And isn't you gotta do Black Sabbath? Isn't a manly enough choice for karaoke? There are rules for songs for karaoke. Like apparently, it's so it's limiting, right? So stupid and arbitrary. So I know the guys are like, no, it's not manly enough. You gotta do Black Sabbath. And Lily's like, no, 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 you don't get it. Like this is our song. Like we have a right. dance that we do to it. And as soon as she says that, clearly Marshall is embarrassed of that in front of these guys, and cuts her off and says that he can do Iron Man. And that Ugh. hurt. He's never done that to her. You can tell. She no. was just like, what the fuck is going on? I would be. Yeah. I wouldn't recover as quickly. Yeah. But that's not as bad as the night's going to get. Because right after that, Blauman says on Monday, we're going to ask legal to hire you full time once you graduate. Because we want you to work with us. Marshall hesitates, looks at Lily like he's about to tell her everything. Like, I'm doing this for us. I'm doing this for right. you and our future kids. But instead says nothing, doesn't conv- like converse with her at all about this, turns around and fucking high fives them, basically saying yes right in front of her. And she storms off to the bar because, like, who wouldn't? I might have stormed all the way home. He's lucky right. she fucking stayed in the I bar. Know. I know. I would have left. Mm. I would have called him out right in front of his friends, but... I'm a monster. Marshall goes and finds her at the bar and she just says, okay, that was gross. And I totally agree. Yep. And finally, Marshall lets her in on his thought process this whole time. Now it's, you know, just for a few years. First, it was just until law school's over. And now it's just a few years so we can make some money. You say you don't need it, but you could focus on your painting and, you know, you wouldn't have to work. And I want to give you the package. And they have like this whole exchange about <laughs> about the package. the package and they both understand what it means but the people around them don't and this is another example of of bays and thomas using humor to cut through uh a pretty serious conversation so she says you've got a huge package and storms off and the woman at the bar next to marshall is impressed and her date is not <laughs> Maybe things aren't so great either with Ted. We cut mm. to Robin answering the phone at the news studio where she's getting like the finishing touches on her makeup. Like, why do you even have your cell phone out? Because it's Ted. It's Ted. Of course. It was, I think. I'm sure normally she has that phone in her fucking dressing room. Probably. But they've been up each other's But she butts. knows. Mm-hmm. She's waiting for Ted to call her and hoping that he will. Yes. To and tell her. That they're... Victoria's broken up, but instead, he wants to know why she hasn't called yet. And Robin tells him, it's Saturday night, go out, and stop making yourself crazy. Yeah. And he's like, well, I got a girlfriend for now. Oh. And besides, he has to stay home and watch Robin, Mm -hmm. because after all, he is half of their viewership, and she is so flattered that he thinks they even have two viewers. I just feel like at this point, like, the earlier conversations between the two of them could have happened without him having any sort of ulterior motives. But as soon as mm-hmm. he said, I have a girlfriend for now, yeah, it feels like he knows that she's into him because she's sort of responding more than she has before. And so he's – feels like he's lining her up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't That's like how it that. That's how it felt too. Feels. Like he's like kind of planting the seed mm-hmm. to come back to it. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like picking up on the changes that she's putting out. And, you know, he's not just leaning on her as a friend. It just, this call feels different. Yeah. And also, 
you know, he says that something occurred to him that he's actually sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring. Well, yeah, because your girlfriend said it's your girlfriend. I know. It's not like some pathetic thing to sit home and wait when you're expecting a call from your girlfriend. Right. And also, like, if she's going to call your cell phone, you're not tied to the apartment. Right. You can go out and you can still have fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my only guess is that he said that because he's, you know, essentially he thinks he's waiting for the phone to ring and for her to dump him. Right. Like he's waiting to get dumped. Yeah. Instead of going out and living your life. But it just didn't sound. It, no. it didn't sound great. So we cut to Ted walking in to the bar where we know Lily and Marshall and Barney are at. And we have Barney on stage singing ACDC's Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Shredding it. Killing, Killing it. it. I love oh, any chance we get to hear him sing. I know. I, and Marshall too. I just live for it. Is that like a velvet suit jacket he has on? I think it might have been. Yeah, he got a little fancy for karaoke. So he was definitely getting on that stage. Oh, yeah. Is that like the satin lapels? Like he was ready to get up there. He was ready. He was wearing like his showman suit. Oh, God, Barney, I love you so much. Uh, and we see Ted walk over to Marshall at the bar and uh, Marshall says, I, I feel like I haven't seen you in a month. And Ted says that, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Ted says, I feel like I haven't seen you in a month. And to me, then it really just shows like how much time he's really spending with just him and Robin. Mm-hmm. Like Ted has had opportunities yeah, to hang out with people and he is with Robin. And, and Marshall is, you know, wrapped up in all this work stuff. Right. Right. And Marshall asks how Ted's doing, and Ted tells him that he's pretty sure Victoria's about to break up with him, and that he just, like, kind of confesses, you know, to his best friend that he has trouble remembering how she looks. Yeah. That he can remember how she makes him feel, but not her. And that totally it happens, him, yeah. Yeah. And it makes him feel like he's trying to preserve something that's already gone. Mm. That's so sad. Like, he, like in his mind, this relationship is done. He doesn't even know for sure what is happening. Yeah. But in his mind, he's, like, already moving on, too. Because he wants to be. Yeah. because He doesn't want to fight for it at all. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Too much work. Yeah. And Marshall says, preserving something that's already gone, just like environmental law. <laughs> you know, they, they're talking in this... We struggle so hard to hold on to something that's going to disappear. If you save the rainforest from being turned to a parking lot... Where are you going to park your car? And Marshall looks over and sees Lily sitting at a table alone, and he gets up. Um, and he's, we see him start to put some money in his palm, Ooh. just like Barney taught him. And he hands it to a guy. And just like Barney said, there's always going to be a guy. Yeah. Next we know, the cord is yanked out from Barney, <laughs> who says, like, uh, rock you pie. <laughs> Adorable. And uh, the man that... Marshall handed money to then announces that next up it's Marshmallow and Lily Pad. And he sees Lily and he starts like patting his chest and he starts singing to her. So he had like that little moment of weakness. Yeah. And then finally realized like what what his priorities were. And he's going to they have his song with his lady and they're going to sing it together. Yeah. No matter where he works, he still loves Lily, and it's not right. That's not going to get steamrolled. Exactly, and like I said, I would have been way saltier for way longer <laughs> than Lily was. But you but... wouldn't have left him hanging up there. No, God, no. Right. Oh my God, right. no way. So that's he knew that he could get her with that. 
That's true. You know, like he really put himself out there in front of all those guys. Like, yeah. you're cool, Marshall. You are cool. Future Ted says, you know, turns out some things are worth preserving. But here's the real question. We see Ted walk in to his apartment. It's 2 a.m. Your friends are still out singing karaoke. But you're home early because you're expecting a call from your girlfriend in Germany who was supposed to call four hours ago. And then the phone rings. And we cut and we see Robin standing in her apartment wearing like a tank top <sighs> looking real vulnerable. Mm-hmm. She says, hi, Ted, it's Robin. Uh, listen, I know it's late, but do you want to come over? And I feel like Ted was like literally like going to faint, like drums, drums, <laughs> dumbstruck. Yeah. And so future Ted says, what do you do? Go. Just like Blauman and Bilson. Just like Blauman and Bilson. And then the, right away the, ep- the episode ends That's just like blast. that. Holy moly. Serious question. Yeah. What would be your karaoke song? I usually do old time rock and roll. Oh, good one. Yeah, it goes over pretty well. It's a good, good, fun song to sing that everybody knows. Yeah, love it. Um, I also enjoy Telephone by Lady Gaga and Beyonce. Of course. Um, anything by Dixie Chicks is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have such a beautiful voice. Oh, thanks, friend. What's your karaoke song? Well, I don't do karaoke. But if you did. Uh, f- friends in Low Places. Oh, good one. That's a cute one. That's really cute. I know all the words. I feel like it's a fun song. Oh, yeah. It's a good drunk song. People would like get into it, right? Oh, so you're yeah. not just like yeah. singing by yourself. Yeah. <sighs> Episode 17. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Eh. Yeah. It feels like, like I said earlier, that this is like the first half of a full hour episode. You know? Definitely. It's like just setting stuff up. I mean, the Marshall storyline is pretty, pretty complete. And that was, you know, the best part of the episode. But um, the, the right. Ted and Robin stuff, Ted, Robin, Victoria stuff, um, we won't see that get really complicated until the next episode. So that kind of ends on a cliffhanger and wasn't really, you know, obviously not satisfying at all. But I always love a Marshall and Lily story. And it's nice to see them, like, struggling with something. Yeah. Um, it's tough to watch, obviously, but they're a real couple. And... You know, there's going to be some uh, ongoing conflicts and the one about money and about um, who Marshall is and who he's becoming is is a recurring theme. It's a hard episode to love. Like the bros are really, really hard to watch. I mean, probably because they're just so accurate to some degree. I mean, it's just it's just rough to watch that happening. And Ted's really whiny like about this whole Victoria thing. And he seems like oblivious. But then I wonder if he knows a little bit what he's doing with Robin, you know, kind of setting her up mm-hmm. for, for what happens after he and Victoria finally yeah. end. So you can just feel some icky stuff building some, some complicated stuff. So this is like a, a setup episode. I don't think it was supposed to be all that, all that satisfying. So yeah, it was, what's not super Meh. satisfying. Uh, but we do have, some uh, favorite moments from a couple of our listeners. Yeah. So let's get into their legendary moments. So Tanya sent us an email. Remember, you can do that. Hey, beautiful podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Send us your legendary moment. But Tanya, not Tanya, <laughs> writes, Dear ladies, hope you are well. This is one of my least favorite TED episodes, but one of my favorite Lillian Marshall episodes. Amen. 
Yes. Amen. Can we just agree that Ted was the biggest gorilla in the mist? <laughs> oh, love it. He infuriated me to no end. Why does he ask advice from his cur- about his current relationship from a girl that he used to like? I can't even. Hashtag not like this. That's right, Tanya. Mm-hmm. Inappropriate. Mm-hmm. My fave scene is when Lillian Marshall sing and dance in the bar. But my legendary moment is just after the Lillian Marshall fight. And Lily says, your package has always been big enough. You may not realize this, Marshall Erickson, but you have a huge package. Lily walks away and Marshall <laughs> turns around. And there's this lady who has overheard the combo. And then Marshall just goes, yeah, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> have an awesome day and steak sauce. Steak sauce, Tanya. Steak, steak sauce. sauce. Good call. Love it. Yeah, Ted's Ted was not great here, and spoiler alert, it doesn't get much better. No. Uh, so our next legendary moment is from our friend Abha, and she sent us a message on Twitter, or, or tweeted at us on Twitter, mm-hmm. at Hey Beautiful Pod, and she said, she first of all, she loves the idea of care packages. Who doesn't? Yeah. They're great. Love mail. They're fantastic. Getting mail is amazing. Her legendary moment is when Marshall is first in Barney's office at Ultracell. Marshall says, whoa, that is a buttload of motivational posters. And then Barney says, yeah, hell yeah, I got them all. Teamwork, courage, awesomeness. And Marshall says, there's one for awesomeness. Barney says, yeah, I had it made. Barney gets whatever he wants. Whatever Mm -hmm. he wants. And last but not least, we have another legendary moment from Miranda. Yay, Miranda. Yay. So she sent us another sound clip to our email, which you are all welcome to do if you'd like to. So, yes, please. Yeah. So let's listen to it now. Hi, ladies. It's Miranda. So it took me a while watching this episode to pick out a legendary moment. It was very hard for me and not in the, that's what she said, category, but is it just in general? I couldn't find one for a while. I had to rewatch it twice, and I think my legendary moment is a line that Barney says to Marshall, putting the seed in his head that he should probably start thinking about sacrificing for Lily. When Marshall and Barney are sitting in McLaren's, and Marshall's like, I don't know how about I feel about working at this job, I don't think it's for me, and Barney goes, yeah, that's true, but what about Lily? She's going to want things. She's going to want a house. She's going to want this. She's going to want that. She's going to want a vacation every now and then, and she's not going to want to carry you around on a kindergarten teacher's salary. And no truer words have ever been spoken. Those, that's my legendary moment, is Barney basically laying down the seeds of Marshall having to basically be the one to do a lot of sacrificing for Lily to make sure she's happy. And it's no secret, I don't like Lily. I hate her as about as much as somebody else hates Victoria, not naming any names. But there are moments that I do like her. But for the most part, never been a big fan of her. So, oh, and if anyone has the DVDs for this, that I do, and they're hilarious, you honestly have to watch the bloopers for this episode because Jason is the best scream fighter ever. He gets into tangents, and I don't know where he's going. But he's taking you on a journey, and it's hilarious, especially when he's against Neil. The two of them screaming at each other. Oh, it's so funny. You guys have a good rest of the week, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. So, Caitlin, how does it feel to uh, have someone talk about Lily the way you talk about Victoria? It hurts. Mm. 
doesn't it? Yeah, but Lily's way better than Victoria. I mean, I agree with that, but, you know, not everybody does. And we have room in this fan base for everybody. Um, Sure. Sure. And, you know, I've actually seen a lot of people don't like Lily and everyone has their reasons. So uh, we will get into that as as the show unfolds. Like, I can understand why people don't. Yeah. I could get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like Victoria fans are just so steadfast. She's perfect. They shout. They shout. Um, yeah, but that was, I mean, that was a good point. And, and to some degree, yeah, I think um, it's, it is a responsible thing for Marshall to try to make more money. I, I mean, yeah. they live in New York City. So right. I, I agree. I agree with that, with that edge of it, um, for sure. And I only wish that Barney was like being genuine, but I don't know how much... I hear you. I don't know how much he is, but then again, Barney is really good at being both genuine and manipulative at the same time, you know? Yeah. So he could be giving good advice, but also getting what he wants at the same time, so. Oh, I, for sure yeah. he's doing yeah, yeah, yeah. those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, thank you, everybody, for your legendary moments. What is your legendary moment, Caitlin? I thought I had one. Um, kind of lost it, but it took, like, Miranda, it did not come easily to me yeah so i have like two cheap ones one is when lily calls dr aurelia whatever whatever dr australia um bird bath vaseline bird bath vaseline thank you i just wrote back to my notes that's a cute one that was perfect i love that and then of course when they sing together oh yeah you know marshall like Pat's his heart. I thought that was adorable. But I love the Dr. Aurelia Birdbath Vaseline. Australia, excuse me. You just know that she's heard that name for the last 10 years, like yeah. over and over yeah. again. So I get it. Mm-hmm. Good ones. Um, my legendary moment, I'm actually going to stray from the norm. Okay. We usually do like a moment or um, a quote, but my legendary moment this episode was Lily's entire wardrobe. Oh, it yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I think they worked. Um, it seemed that the costume department worked hard to set her apart from corporate, the, like the corporate yeah. look. Like, so she's wearing a lot of like clashing patterns. Everything's yeah. really bright and floral, and like lots of layers and chunky jewelry. Yep. And so she's got like a very bohemian look the whole episode. And all those bright colors look so good with her beautiful red hair. Yeah. Um, and I just thought she looked phenomenal every time she was in a scene. Love it. So yeah. uh, Lily's wardrobe crushes that. it. What a great legendary moment. I know thank we you. always talk about how it could be anything you want, yeah. but thank you for, you know, pioneering. Oh, I try, I'm such us. a trailblazer. So. so that is uh, Life Among the Gorillas. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. We post new recaps every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you want to send us a legendary moment, just like Tanya or Abha or Miranda for an upcoming episode, and the next one is Nothing Good Happens After 2 a.m. Ooh, big one. It's a good one. Big one. Yeah. Good episode. Uh, So if you have a legendary moment from that episode or any other future or past episode let us know you can email us at heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com or find us on twitter and facebook at heybeautifulpod we hope you'll come back next episode because it's gonna be legend wait for it 
This has been Hey Beautiful with your hosts, Kate Horton and Caitlin Turner. Our intro-outro music is by Owl All. Snap-a-doo. <laughs>